Christ's command to his followers before his ascension to heaven was for them to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Our Lord did not intend for the good news of his death and resurrection to stay local, but instead it was to be taken globally. In this third section of Acts, the adventure continues as the gospel is taken to the ends of the earth. Let's join Scott Pauley now for today's study. If you had an opportunity to speak today, uh, to give a Bible message, what would you say? In Acts chapter number 13, Paul was called on to preach. Remember they said, say on, and so he stands up and says, give audience. And he preached a sermon, interestingly enough, that covered thousands of years. I mean it. In fact, this sermon in Acts chapter 13 really covers the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it covers a wide variety of people. But there are two characters that are primarily emphasized in Paul's sermon. The first, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ, because shouldn't every Bible message lead us to Jesus? Every time we speak, it should not be about men but God. We'll come to that portion of his sermon very soon in our study. Uh, But there's another character that is emphasized in an enormous way, both in this sermon and in Scripture, and that is David. There's a reason for that, and I want to share that with you today. Uh, Look with me in Acts chapter 13. Let's begin at the beginning of Paul's sermon. In verse number 18, excuse me, verse number 17, the Bible says, The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with an high arm brought he them out of it. So he goes all the way back uh, to the Egyptian bondage and to their deliverance from Egypt and comes forward. Verse 18, And about the time of forty years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. And after that he gave unto them judges, about the space of four hundred and fifty years, until Samuel the prophet. And afterward they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. So you see, he's covering enormous sections of time. There is the Egyptian captivity. There's the 40-year wilderness wanderings. Uh, there is the 450 years of the judges. Then there's the 40-year reign of the first king of Israel, Saul. And then he comes to the man the Holy Spirit wants to emphasize. In verse 22 it says, And when he had removed him, that's Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. I love the beautiful connection here between David, that's Old Testament, And the Lord Jesus Christ, that's New Testament. Who is Jesus? He's the son of David. He's of the lineage of David. And could I just point out simply that really every man's significance is in his connection to Christ. Significance is not uh, political. It's not military. It is not uh, economic. It's not what you accomplish or produce or people say or think about you. It is really that which is connected to eternal things. The reason we're still talking about David is because of his connection to the Messiah. 
because of what God did in his life and through his life uh, to fulfill the purpose of Christ in this world. But in this verse, there's a tremendous expression that I've heard all of my life. And frankly, I've wondered many times, what does that mean? The Bible says, he was a man after mine own heart. When I say David, usually one of two things comes to mind. If I say David and, you think either David and Goliath or David and Bathsheba. Uh, Men are remembered for their greatest successes and their greatest failures. But I want to tell you that David's life was really not just about Goliath, and praise God, it was not limited to his failure with Bathsheba. David's life was all about God. All that he did, all of his life was connected to God's work in his life. He's mentioned 1,127 times in the Bible. 54 chapters of history are given to the life of David. At least 75 of the Psalms were written by him. And in the end, one verse, really a few lines summarize why this one man was so blessed and used of God. What is the secret? He was a man after God's own heart. Does that mean he was just a pious man? He sat around all the time strumming a harp? Does that mean that he he literally was perfect? No, we see his flaws in Scripture. The Holy Spirit bears them out for us to remind us that even the best men are men at best, that we all have our sins and our failures. We all desperately need the mercy of God. So what does it mean that David was the man after God's own heart? Well, listen to the phrase that follows it. See, I believe God defines his own terms. It says, he's a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. I love that truth. Can I tell you what it means to be after the heart of God? It means that you want to do all that God has for you. In the words of Colossians, to stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Oh, I love that. Nothing more than the will of God, nothing less than the will of God. I don't want to get ahead of the Lord, and I sure don't want to lag behind the Lord I want to be a man after God's own heart today. Do you? Do you want to be a person after the heart of God? Do you want to be in pursuit of the Lord's will for your life, or are you pursuing something else? Are you after your own heart? Are you after the heart of someone else? Are you after this world? Are you after money? Or are you in pursuit of God, a man after God's own heart, which shall fulfill all his will? Now, there's another verse in this same sermon that I think sheds some light on this. Just across the page in verse number 36, the Bible says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God. That's a powerful expression. He served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep, and was laid into his fathers and saw corruption. Uh, So how do you do all the will of God? Well, let me give you just two or three observations today. First of all, be a servant. The Bible says he served. Uh, Don't try to be something great. Uh, Just be a servant. Don't seek great things for yourself. Where did all this start with David? It didn't start on a throne. It started with a sling and a harp and a shepherd's staff. Uh, It's not about being in charge. It's about being yielded. It doesn't say after he had ruled. It says after he had served. Remember, God's the king. And then, not only should you be a servant, but secondly, just do the will of God. Find the will of God for you and do it. The greatest thing you can do, not only for yourself, but for your generation, is the will of God. And it's amazing 
when each of us find our place and just do our part, uh, what, what happens? God Almighty uh, uses us to make a difference in this world. And so be a servant, do the will of God, and then thirdly, and I think this is very important, live for the after. Say, so what do you mean by that? The Bible says that after he served his own generation, he fell asleep and was laid into his father's. What does that mean? He died. Do not live for this world. Live for the world to come. Do what you do today with eternity in view. If you want to be a person after God's own heart, if you want to fulfill all of his will, then be a servant. Find out what God has for you to do and do that, and do it in light of eternity. There's only one David. There's not, go, not going to be another David, but I want to tell you there can be many of us who are the people that God wants us to be. May the Lord use you this day to make a difference while you can and right where you are. Though no more scripture is being written, the story of the furtherance of the gospel is being written at this very moment, and we get to be part of that story. The heart of our Savior is as passionate for the lost today as it was just before He ascended in Acts 1. Will you get in on what God is doing in the world today to reach the lost with the gospel? This is why Enjoying the Journey exists, to encourage and to equip you in the work of the gospel. Whether it is through the daily broadcast or the many resources on our website, Scott and all of us on the Enjoying the Journey team are passionate about people coming to know Christ as Savior. We pray that you truly will enjoy the journey, but we also pray that you will bring others with you on your journey of following Christ.